Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And let's head to the United States. Let's talk some LA sports, shall we? And we're delighted to welcome in Michael Duarte. Hope I pronounced that correctly, Michael. How are you doing today? Guys, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I hope everyone's doing well out there uh, in New Zealand. Uh, Michael, of course, from NBC in LA, finger on the pulse. Any jealousy in LA when you looked across to Las Vegas over the weekend at the Formula One going, heck, we can't have Las Vegas upset us. I mean, there was some jealousy that I wasn't there to partake in some of the fun festivities that it looked like were going on. I had a busy sports week myself in Los Angeles. Obviously, the Rams were playing USC-UCLA, the battle for Los Angeles in college football uh, on Saturday, and then some Lakers games, uh, including a play-in tournament game, their very first one uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies on Tuesday. We got to see that new court, that yellow and purple uh insane NBA in-season tournament courts that all the teams are playing with this year. So that was the first time we got to see that with the Lakers. But I'll tell you something from, from feet on the ground, coworkers, colleagues that were out there for the F1 formula race, it was a disaster for Las Vegas. Uh, a lot of hype around it, a lot of glitz and glamor building up that racetrack and race course. Even Max Verstappen himself said, you know, to get fans in the United States into formula one, uh, as it's kind of a very fast growing sport here, I, recently got into it in the last three years around the pandemic when I first started getting into it myself. You know, you really want to have your eyes on the race and and what's at stake and the emotions and feelings of it, not the glitz and glamour of Las Vegas making it a show. And from what I was told for that that practice heat the day before that got canceled because of an accident, uh, fans were upset about that. Uh, restaurants and businesses were empty down there. Hotel prices were dropping. And uh, a lot of fans didn't end up showing up because they were told there was just going to be so much traffic to stay away from the strip. So uh, hopefully in the in the next years, I know they've had it there in Vegas two years previously. Hopefully it'll get better in the future because it wasn't that great of a debut uh, for them. Uh, you talked about the battle for Los Angeles and the collegiate football realm. I, I don't know a whole lot, Michael, but I do know the Trojans generally are decent. Are UCLA supposed to beat them like they did? Oh, definitely not. Uh, and in fact, USC, obviously, who had championship uh, aspirations this season after their success last season, making it to the Pac-12 championship game. You know, th- th- their struggles last year was on the defensive end of the ball. They gave up a lot of points, but they led the entire college football landscape in turnovers. Uh, this year, they weren't getting the turnovers. So they were still allowing 40, sometimes 50 points per game on the defensive end. After losing to number five Washington and giving up 52 points to them, they fired the defensive coordinator uh, and then went into this UCLA game losing four out of five. They were supposed to beat UCLA. They were the favorite. 
But things have been coming unraveled. The wheels have been falling off the bus for USC. Like I mentioned, they didn't have their defensive coordinator. He was fired. And so UCLA just wanted it more in this game. They were playing for their coach's future uh, Chip Kelly, who had rumored to be on the hot seat, potentially fired if he lost to USC. So it looked like UCLA's players rallied around their coach to to beat USC, their rivals. Uh, and, and it was a big win for them that potentially could give their coach a stay of execution for another year. Whereas USC now is going to look to find a new defensive coordinator to completely remake that defense for next year when they go to the Big 12 and the years beyond. Let's move off me going on tangents and you dealing with them with utter aplomb. Michael Duarte from NBC LA with us. Let's talk about the Lakers. Uh, the in-season tournament, a new addition to the NBA. We had a good long chat last week on the show to get our head around it. We've got a, a match-up today between the Lakers and the Utah site. How's the tournament being received, you feel? Yeah, you know, I think there was some trepidation among fans originally regarding this tournament. Like, you know, we've never seen this before. We've never done it. What does it mean? Uh, I think adding the new courts, even though some of these courts are eyesores, and I know the Lakers are at oh, home tonight, I? but if you get a chance, if you get a chance to see the Utah Jazz's purple lilac lavender court, uh, that's a very interesting. It looks like they're playing inside of a flower when I watch them. Uh, like I said, you're going to be on the Lakers' home court tonight, but if you do get a chance to see the Jazz's court in the future, you'll see. So some of them are eyesores. The Lakers, not so much. It's purple and gold. Uh, and so it looks pretty good, in my opinion, compared to some of the other ones I see. But to answer your question, this is kind of the NBA is trying to look toward the future, look towards growing the game internationally and taking a page out of soccer or football, as you guys call it out there. The Champions League tournament, this amazing in-season tournament that in some regards, especially when you're looking at, you know, say the French League One or Italian Serie A, when there's a team like. Uh, Juventus in the past or PSG right now when they're just kind of guaranteed to win the league and other teams are not really playing for much. Yeah. The Champions League for some of these teams becomes the real tournament uh, to see who can beat the best of the best in Europe. And so that's what the NBA is trying to model this after. And the biggest thing here was incentive. So they put a financial incentive in place for the players. If you win the tournament, you win a million dollars per player. Now, I know LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they're making like 40, 50 million a year. They don't need an extra million dollars. But some of these guys on the Lakers team that are on two-way contracts, they go down to the G League, they go up to the team. A million dollars for them is life-changing money uh, when they're, you know, making a few hundred thousand at best or, you know, even less than that this season. So a lot of these superstars want to win for those guys so they can get that million dollars each. Uh, and so far what I've seen is in these tournament games, which take place every Tuesday and Friday night, uh, the effort level seems to be picked up than what you would normally see in a regular season game this early in the season. Uh, and right now the Lakers are perfect in the in-season tournament in group play. Uh, it's the same group play format that, format that you'd see like in Champions League or even in a World Cup. Uh, and they're perfect right now. They're leading the group. And uh, this, this game against the Utah Jazz is going to hope to continue to keep them perfect. Uh, and, and then potentially get them that number one seed to advance to the second round. Uh, Michael, hold the, I just need to quickly update our audience. Uh, New Zealand, the All-Whites have equalised against Ireland in their international football friendly at Aviva Stadium in Dublin. It's now the All-Whites 1, Ireland 1. Uh, Matt Garbett with the goal on the hour mark. We've got 65 minutes played. Uh, the All-Whites is our national football team. I'm not at a Trump rally, uh, by the way, uh, uh, Michael, if you're a little <laughs> bit confused. If you're, if you're a little it, no. bit... Yeah, I know. Uh, no, LeBron I don't worry. James. I know. I know. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. You're very, you're very well uh, versed in the, in the realm of football or soccer. Uh, I'll return serve on that front. Hey, LeBron James, like seriously, at that guy's age, he should not be doing what he's doing, or should he? Because he is LeBron after all. Um, he's really changed the goalposts for old athletes, hasn't he? And is there any reason in particular he's shooting so well this season, you think? Well, I think the biggest thing is it's start of the year. It's no secret, and I actually wrote an article about this for, for your listeners. If they want to head over to NBCLosAngeles.com uh, and just look up LeBron James' diet and workout routine, I spent some time with LeBron in the offseason to find out what goes in in his 21st season, about to be in just about a month from now, uh, 39 years old, what goes into him in his body and how to take care of himself and how to stay in the best shape. And when you see his diet in the off season, how strict he is on what he's eating, no sugars, no processed foods, uh, usually just fish and salads in the off season to lean down his workout routine in between what he's doing to build muscle, to build leg strength, to be able to sprint back and forth, which they say LeBron runs close to six miles per game, just going back and forth on the court. And then the rehab, the recovery process, ice baths, uh, a glass of wine at night, massages, um, massage gun therapy, cryotherapy, uh, the leg compression sleeves that he wears. All of it goes into his routine. And so right now to start the season, he's healthy. Uh, no injuries, knock on wood uh, so far. And that's why you're seeing him do something that nobody has ever done in their 21st season or more in the NBA at the age he's doing it at. Um, I think only Dirk Nowitzki was the player who, at his age in the 21st season, averaged double-digit points. And LeBron is averaging close to 30 points per game. So he's absolutely shattering any player of that time frame in the NBA and as far as age is concerned in the NBA. And I think for LeBron James... Uh, and we'll probably talk about this as we talk about NFL football coming up next. Health is the most important thing when it comes to LeBron James and when it comes to the Lakers, because we have to include Anthony Davis uh, in that in that category as well. So for me right now, he's coming in healthy, and it's because of all the work he's done on his body uh, and his recovery process and his diet. Uh, he's going to continue to do that throughout the season. And, and also in that article I mentioned, I'm not trying to promote myself, but it talks about his diet before the season, during the season, and then he even changes it in the playoffs, adding more pastas, adding more carbs, because you play so frequently, you're just burning so many calories. He needs to get more and more calories uh, and more energy to be able to play in those high-intense playoffs. So it's a very interesting read, uh, and it was interesting for me just to follow him and shadow him and be able to see everything he does and all the time, money, and effort he puts in. Uh, there was a rumor that it was about a million dollars. I would say it's closer to three to five million he puts into his body, his recovery, and his diet wow. uh, every year, every year. Wow, that, that's incredible. I will check that out, Michael. Thank you so much. And there's no, nothing wrong with a bit of shame with self-promotion, especially if it's that fascinating a topic. Um, you know, For our listeners, LeBron James's counting stats are basically the same as when he first won an NBA title. It's like, it's mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's, mind, it's mind-numbing, uh, really. How far can he take them, though? Um, do they need a third star, or is that era of three, you know, the big three era officially done in the NBA? You know, that's the big question. We're talking about uh, the big three. The Los Angeles Clippers, the other team in Los Angeles, just traded for James Harden and now have a big four. Uh, and four superstars who all were born and raised and grew up in Los Angeles, which is kind of what they're advertising and marketing here in, in the L.A. market. We're talking about Russell Westbrook, James Harden, I just mentioned. 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, all Southern California natives, born and raised here in the LA area, went to high school here in, the, in Los Angeles. And now they're together trying to do something that's never been done before and win the Clippers a title. So forget a big three. The Clippers right now have a big four. Uh, they all play smaller positions. Nobody's, you know, over seven feet tall. So they're going to have to figure out how they can all play together and how they can be successful on the court without that height advantage. But, you know, LeBron James, when he looked at the NBA landscape a couple of years ago and he saw what was then a, a, a big three in, in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, and James Harden at the time, obviously that broke up and now none of them are there. But he thought the Lakers needed three superstars. So he told the front office and Rob Palenka to go trade for Russell Westbrook. Now that experiment didn't work out. What Rob Palenka was able to do at the trade deadline last season was blow it up, trade Russell Westbrook away, get his contract off the books, and bring in depth, bring in what the Lakers really need around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And that's three and D, what we call it here in the U.S. That's three-point shooting and guys that play defense, especially defense on the perimeter. So we're talking very long guys that can contest shots, that can block shots in this new NBA, which is a lot about three-point shooting. And then as you saw, once they kind of gelled and got healthy, they had a very deep playoff run, making it all the way to the Western Conference Finals where they got swept by the Denver Nuggets. So this year, you brought in some new pieces. You brought back guys that were very important to that 3 and D success around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I think right now, I mean, at this time, they were well below 500. Right now, they're 8 and 6, and they're in 6th place. And, you know, they're not too far out of the top 3 in the Western Conference. So I don't think they need that third superstar yet. I know they've been intrigued about Zach Levine, who looks like he's going to be traded away from the Chicago Bulls. I know they, if the Bulls do decide to blow up that roster and rebuild, the Lakers could be interested in a reunion with Alex Caruso on that team, and they might be willing to trade for him. But for me, I think they want to see how this plays out here until about January, February, before they decide, do they need a third superstar? But the most important thing is depth and 3 and D guys around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And just to tell you guys, the Lakers' three-point shooting has been pretty atrocious to start the season, despite the fact they have really good three-point shooters around them. So when those guys start hitting those shots, I think the Lakers will be even better. And I think, depending on what the Phoenix Suns do, you want to talk about a big three. They have a big three in Phoenix right now with Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. And they're coached by the Lakers' old championship coach in Frank Vogel. So uh, that's a team they're looking at. Obviously, the Nuggets are the, the class of the Western Conference and of the NBA, frankly, with, with Nikola Jokic. Uh, Jamal Murray's hurt right now. He's going to miss a month. So I think the Nuggets are going to fall a little bit. The Lakers are going to try to catch him. But to me, it's those three teams I just mentioned. The Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Suns that are going to be coming out of the West and playing for a championship come next summer. A couple more. Let's get on to the NFL. Uh, where, as you've already hinted at, the medical staffs around the league appear to be the most important people at the moment. It's been extraordinary, those sort of dropping mm -hmm. away. Um, you know, are the Rams still alive in this? Is there a bit of a pulse to be found as those injuries sort of open the eyes of many franchises to think maybe we're not done? Yeah, guys, and I, I feel bad for, for your New Zealand fans out there. As you said, they're watching the All-Whites right now, but uh, if they like watching American football, in my opinion, they've seen a pretty mediocre product on the field this year. Um, me, personally, I haven't seen this bad of football across the league in, in many, many years, and we can attribute it mostly to injuries. Obviously, there's been some changes that don't allow some of the same hits and uh, defensive plays that we've seen in the past and maybe some bad habits have, have been uh, 
occurring over time because of those new rules and, and, and new penalties they've been given. But to me, it's more injuries. Like we're talking about teams that are on their second and third string quarterbacks. The New York Giants, by the way, have a quarterback that lives at home with his mother uh, in Tommy DeVito there in New Jersey. His mom's still doing his laundry and cooking his meals and making his bed. And then he turns around and he, he wins games for an NFL team like he just did this last Sunday. So injuries have been really the concern, especially at the quarterback position. So what I've been seeing in the in the league this year across the, the, the board is it really feels top heavy. Teams like the Eagles, the Lions, the 49ers, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs just seem to be so far above everybody else in the league. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's another rematch between the Eagles and Chiefs, which we just saw here on Monday Night Football yesterday uh, in the Super Bowl again this year. But to answer your question, uh, I digress. But the Rams, they've been beat up by injuries this year. They got beat up by last year. Obviously, they didn't have Matthew Stafford uh, in that loss in Green Bay. They got him back and they beat the Seahawks here on Sunday. And that was a huge win. They're now four and six. They're just uh, they're currently in ninth place in the Western Conference, in the National, in the NFC. So they just need to get into seventh to make the playoffs. It's still very, very possible. They're just uh, a game and a half behind the Vikings for that final playoff spot. Uh, they have an easy schedule here coming up. Uh, on their books, they have the Cardinals again, who's one of the worst teams in the league, the Browns, uh, the Commanders, the Saints, the Giants I just mentioned with their third-string quarterback who lives at home with his mother. So those are games I think the Rams can win. So I think they have a faint outside shot of it. They do have a pulse, like you said, but they're going to need some help from some of these other teams to fall. But as I mentioned, it seems like a very top-heavy league, so they can get in, but I don't think they're going to do much damage once they do get in. And of, and, of course, they're chasing the 49ers in their division out and the NFC out west, uh, and, and they seem to be pretty decent. Before I let you go, uh, the Dodgers, um, another very good regular season, another disappointing postseason. They've got a whole heap of money coming off the books, though. Uh, they're well-placed to bring in the unicorn, are they not? Shohei Otani going to be in Dodgers blue? Yeah, so this is – you just mentioned this. During last offseason, so we're talking about the winter of 2022, about this time a year ago, the Dodgers looked at the money and they saw all this money coming off of the books in 2023 after the 2023 World Series. And they saw that Shohei Otani, the unicorn, as you just mentioned, the two-way superstar who we haven't seen since Babe Ruth in the 1920s. They looked at that and they said, okay, we have an opportunity to have all this money off the books. He's going to be available. Let's do all these little one-year contracts for 2023 and then have all this money come off the books and put all our chips in to go get the unicorn here in 2023. Now, obviously, some things changed a little bit with Otani uh, tearing his UCL for the second time in his career, undergoing surgery. He will not be able to pitch on the mound in 2024, but he will be able to bat as a DH. And as we know, he can hit 45-plus home runs. So he's definitely still good at the plate and then would, should be able to pitch again in 2025. So the Dodgers, as you mentioned, all this money on the books, they're going to go all in on Shohei Otani. Las Vegas, as you mentioned earlier with the Formula One, all the, the bookmakers and the sports books down there, they have the Dodgers as the favorite to show, sign Shohei Otani. I think the Angels still have an outside shot. I think the Chicago Cubs might have a shot at him surprisingly as well. They really want him. But really, I don't see anyone outbidding the Dodgers. So this is the Dodgers to lose. So if Shohei Otani wants to go to the Dodgers, I think he's going to be in Dodger blue uh, come next season. Now, that's because he can't pitch. That's not all the Dodgers need if they want to get back to the World Series. So they're looking at getting two starting pitchers, either one via trade, 
and one via free agency. Uh, they're willing to get creative to see how they can bring in two frontline starting pitchers. Obviously, Clayton Kershaw, yeah. their longtime ace, undergoing shoulder surgery. He won't be ready until maybe the end of next season. So look at two starting pitchers and Shohei Otani. Uh, but obviously, they need to know what Shohei Otani decides first. So hopefully, he'll make a decision here in the next month or so so they can decide uh, the pieces they were going to put around him. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, treat hearing your voice, Michael. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Go enjoy your day. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And uh, yes, let's, uh, let's do this again soon.